I've titled this, Trusting God in Uncertain Times. Trusting God in Uncertain Times. I'll be in Psalm 46, from verse 1 to 11, and I will be in Mark chapter 4, 35 to 41. Psalm 46, 1 to 11, and I will also be in Mark chapter 4, 35 to 41. Please, um... Let me give an instruction before I start preaching. I want you to please move forward. Make sure there is no empty space in front of you. The reason is because many of, many of them are coming late, especially those who are graduating. So I don't want to be distracted. I don't want people walking from the back. No, no. Move forward. Move forward. Don't reserve any space. Make sure there is no empty space in front of you. Move forward. Everybody. Until there is no space in front of you. Thank you. Those of you over there, please fill up these spaces. Fill them up. So I can at least see you. God bless you. Somebody is behind the pillar. There's a space there. There's a space. That young man, please, there's a space there. Yeah. God bless you. God bless you. God, we honor you. In Jesus' name. Okay. So that as they come, they will just sit down quietly and humbly and not distract me. Psalm 46 from verse 1 to 11. And I will move on to Mark chapter 4 from verse 35 to 41. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled. I'd like you to notice the word trouble, troubled, troubling, troublest. Though the mountains shake, with the swelling thereof, Selah. Selah means pause and think about this. This calls for meditation. It calls for thinking through. There is a river. The streams whereof shall make glad the city of God. The holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her. And that right early. The hidden raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The Lord of hosts there is Jehovah El Sabaoth, El Sabaoth, the Lord of, in, in um, the AMPC, you'll find it as the God of angel armies, the invisible army of the Lord. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah, 
think about this. The Lord of hosts is with us. Why should we fear? The God of the angel armies is with you. In your lecture theater, in your hostel, in your place of business, in your place of work. As you travel, as you go on the road, as you go by air. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Then he said, Selah. Think about it. I will tell you why you need to sell her before the end of this message. Come, behold the works of the Lord. What desolations he has made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the ends of the earth. He breaketh the bow. He cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Now, he repeated this verse. You remember that in verse 7, thereabout, he said it. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. A refuge is a hiding place. A place of safety in the time of trouble. He repeated it verbatim in verse 11. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Please, I don't want to stop this preaching. Like, I don't want to be distracted. Those of you behind the pillars, move and fill these empty chairs. Ushers, don't let me do your job for you. Please. As they come to church, give them the instruction that I have given. Latecomers don't hear any instruction. That's why they are latecomers. But you are in church. Position yourselves. Take them to their seats where they are supposed to be so that I am not distracted. Please. Very important. Very important. God bless you. And I want that ushers, I want that aisle filled before you start filling the back. All right, so as they come, take them there. Let them sit down there. So they fill that place, and then those who are there will not distract me. God bless you. Let's go to Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. The gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Mark chapter 4. Thirty-five to forty-one. And the same day, when the even was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. Now, notice the instruction that Jesus gave. Let us pass over unto the other side. Did he say, let us go and die? Come on, talk to me. Did he say, let us go and die? Did he say, let us go and die in the middle of the road, the middle of the journey? What did he say? Let us pass over unto the other side. Now, that's the vision. That's where we're going, the other side. In between the time he spoke and the time they arrived, there were eventualities. Life can be like that sometimes. God has given you a bright future. God has said, I am going to bless you. I am going to make your future great. Like some of you want to be the greatest nurses in the world, the greatest medical practitioners, the greatest accountant, the greatest IT specialist, the greatest fashion designer, the greatest whatever your profession may be. 
And let me tell you something. God has spoken good concerning you. Are you listening to me? Are you listening to me? When you get to ICC, don't be playing with your phone when pastor is preaching. It's a crime over there. And it's a crime here too, from now. When I'm preaching, don't play with your phone. We're talking about life here. This is serious business. Okay? Is that clear? Now, Jesus said, let's get to the other side. God has given a vision about our lives. God's plan is good. God wants you to get to the place called there. That's why I said in Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, see the Lord. One translation says, I know the plans that I have for you. He said, they are plans of good and not of evil. They are plans to prosper you, not to harm you. To give you a future and hope. So, God's plan, if you're a single lady who is believing God to get married, God's plan is for you to get married. And when you do get married, God's plan is for you to have children. God's plan is for you to prosper, to do well. God doesn't have it in his plan for you to end up as a derelict, to end up as a homeless person. No. In fact, God does not plan for you to be sick in your life. He said it very clearly in 3 John verse 2. Beloved, I wish above all things. In one translation, he says, I pray above all things that thou mayest, that you may prosper and be in health, not in sickness. Even as your soul prospers. That is the plan of God. To get to the other side. Getting to the other side is the plan of God. Living long and living healthy is the plan of God. In Psalm 91 verse 16, he said, With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Papa Hagen said it this way. He said, God will give me long life until I am satisfied. Is anybody satisfied here? Are you already satisfied? And you want to go to heaven now? Nobody wants to go because we are not yet satisfied. Are you getting what I'm saying this morning? So it is the plan of God for every one of his children to be satisfied with long life. Anything short of that becomes human explanation. When a believer dies young, we begin to explain. You know, it's not how far, it's how well. Is that in the Bible? Don't tell me your theology, tell me the Bible. God said with long life. Long life means long life. Are, are you getting what I'm saying this morning? What did God say concerning our longevity? Genesis chapter 6 and verse 3. My spirit will not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh. The number of his days shall be 120. Can I have an amen to that? God said that. Who said 70? And if by reason of strength, 80, Moses. And why did he say so? Because the people became rebellious in the wilderness. And as a result of their rebellion, they started dying. God will say, go to the right. They say, no, we are not going to the right. God will say, okay, now go to the left. The moment God says, go to the left, they say, no, we are not going to the left. We are going to go to the right. God says, move. They say, we're not going to move. God says, okay, now stay in the wilderness. They say, no, we're not staying. We're moving. Very rebellious people. Rebellion ends you nothing but the curse. So they began to die. Their ages were cut short. In that generation from those who were 20 and above, they, be, they began to be cut short. So 
That was when they began to say, well, our, our years, at least let's just make 70. By reason of strength, 80. And Moses said it. Because they had said it. They were rebellious, stiff-necked people. Now, that has been institutionalized in the church. That our, our lifespan is 70, and if by reason of strength, 80. Medical science has proven that the human body, without sickness, can live up to 120 years. There are people who have lived above 120. There are people who have lived up to 120. There are people who have lived above 100, above 110. I have a book, which is a compendium of people who have lived. It is titled, Live Long and Finish Strong, by Mama Gloria Copeland. I'm a student of history. I read. I don't just talk. I talk from knowledge. And I talk from the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So, God's plan is longevity. In Isaiah 46 and verse 4, can we put that on the screen? He said, I have made you and I will bear you. I will carry you to who he is. To he is white with age. To he is white with age. And even to your old age. Did he say even to your young age? Come and talk to me, church. To your what? Old age. Old age is old. You must get old. Even to your old age, I am he. And even to who he is. That's white hair. Will I carry you? God says he will carry you. <laughs> Did you hear that? God says he himself will carry you like a child to whoa he is. He said, I have made and I will bear. Even I will carry and deliver you. Give me that scripture in the Amplified Classic very quickly this morning. Don't forget, we're still reading Mark chapter 4. I just paused where Jesus said, let's go to the other side. Even to your old age, I am he. And even to hair. Read this, everybody. Read this, everybody. Let's read verse 4. One, two, let's go. And even to your old age, I am he. Right? And even to hair. Come on. White with stress. White with sickness. White with what? Age. Not tinted. People tint their hair now. <laughs> Young people trying to look like old people. Old people dye their hair. When it is going gray, they dye it black. I'm amazed. Your generation, you, you like to look like old people. People tint it gold, white, all manner of colors. It's okay. If you are fine by it, that's fine. Not my business. <laughs> now, he said that even to hair, white with age, God said, will I carry you? May you be carried in Jesus' name. He said, I have made and I will bear. Yes, I will carry and will save you. Come on, this is a scripture to meditate on. If you are struggling with the fear of death, and this happens in families, especially when we have lost a loved one, that sense of foreboding hangs in the air. Like, who is next? Who is going to go next? You're afraid. Maybe daddy is gone. God, please keep my mommy oh. Please oh, I beg you. Now God is not the killer. We know who the killer is. John 10.10, 10, the thief cometh not, but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I am come that you might have life and have it a little bit. Come on, talk to me, child. Don't be sleepy. Have it how? Abundant.
abundantly, abundantly, abundantly. Dying at 39, 49, 59, 69. Is that abundant life? God said, I will carry you to whore hairs. I will carry you to hair white with age. There comes a time when your hair begins to turn from black to white with age. God said, I want to, I will carry you to that time. Jesus said, let's go to the other side. That's the other side in terms of longevity. Hair white with age. Moses who said in Psalm 90 that the number of our days will be 70 and by reason of strength 80. In Deuteronomy 34 verse 7, Moses himself lived up to 120 years. He was 120 years when he died. His eyes were not dim. Neither was his natural force. His natural strength abated. He was not aided with walking stick. No, he walked straight. He, he galloped into heaven. He galloped into glory. The Bible is there. Read it. It's there. <laughs> Meditate on it. Pastor Fred, where are you getting this? From the same Bible. Same Bible that we have. I was preaching some time ago in, on the campus fellowship in UI. And somebody said, she whispered, one of the students, she whispered in the service. And I heard, what kind of Bible is Pastor reading? <laughs> Someone also said in the expression house, one of my ministers here. He said, what kind of, he said, she said to me, I wonder what, what, what kind of Bible, is it the same Bible we're reading? It's the same Bible. I'll share with you one of my secrets this morning, which is an open secret, meditation. In the place of meditation, the Holy Spirit gives you revelation. Revelation is in the womb of meditation. Like a child is in the womb of a woman, revelation is in the womb of meditation. You won't meditate, you won't get revelation. You don't pick it up on a bike. You don't pick it up pressing your phone. You don't pick it up wasting time on social media. You don't. This is what makes the difference. Revelation is what makes the difference between a sickly believer and a healthy one. A broke, blasted, battered believer and the one that is healthy, blessed, and prosperous. And this has nothing to do, first of all, with your pocket. It has to do with your soul. When your soul is prosperous, over time, it will reflect in your account. So we might not be where we're supposed to be yet, but we're on the way. Can I have an amen? And we can look back over our shoulders and thank God because we are no longer where we used to be. Are you getting what I'm saying this morning? Back to Mark chapter 4. Jesus said, let us go over onto the other side. Let us go and do well. Let us go and prosper. Let us go and have academic excellence. For you students, let us go and establish prosperous businesses. For those of you in business, let us go and be successful in career. For you career people. And for those called to the ministry, let us go and blossom in ministry. This was God's plan. The other side. He didn't say let's die in the middle. But between let us go and getting there, something happened in the middle. This is the way it happens in each of our lives. Between the time 
that we receive the promise of God and the time of the manifestation, there is always a storm in the middle. Don't be surprised when you go through the vicissitudes and the storms of life. Don't be surprised when you go through stuff that are unforeseen and you're wondering, God, why me? Why not you? Why me? Because you have a future. Why me? Because you have a destiny. And there is an adversary who will not want you to get there. But by the grace of God, you'll get there. Can I have an amen to that? When people don't have the fortitude, the intestinal strength to weather the storms of life, it is always catastrophic. They are the people who commit suicide. Why would you commit suicide? Why would you kill yourself? When you know that God is with you, if you really know, now listen, if you really know that the God of Jacob is with you, that the Lord of us is with you, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who comes, who stays. It doesn't matter who leaves. It, does, it, do, it doesn't matter a pinch. The only person that should live your life and you'll be crying is the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? Isn't the God, the Lord of hosts is with us. What else do I need? I have the commander of the armies of heaven. The commander in chief of the armed forces of heaven on my side. Hey, who are you? Young people, get this. Get this. It will help you in your journey in life. Let's go to the other side, he said. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. That's Jesus. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm. Notice it was not a small storm. It was a great storm. Every great journey will encounter a great storm. Every great destiny will encounter a great storm. The reason you are experiencing what you are experiencing and it looks as if your mates around you are not even experiencing half of it is because of the enormity of the destiny you carry. I tell you this from the word of God. I tell you this also from experience. There is no person who will have a great destiny ahead of him who will not go through great trials. When I, one of my trips abroad, they gave me uh, oatmeal as breakfast. This was in America. They prepared the oatmeal in maybe some seconds, under one minute. Stir it in a cup, put it in, uh, what do you call it? Uh, microwave. <laughs> Ready. They said, that's breakfast. I said, wow. <laughs> this is really break very fast. Would you compare the amount of time that would take to if I really want to have my proper breakfast of maybe rice and beans and plantain, fried plantain, and maybe boiled chicken? Will it take the same amount of time? No. So what you want to feast on will determine how much time that thing will spend in affliction. Because that fire that you're using to cook it is out of affliction. So while one goes in and in 30 seconds it boils, it's ready. If you want rice and beans 
You know how long it takes beans to cook? <laughs> and then now rice, and then you have to fry the plantain, and then boil the chicken or grill it. It will definitely take some time. The destiny of Indomie, or what you call oatmeal, is not the same as a, a plate full of different kinds of things. It, this one definitely will take more time. And it will go through more persecution. From fire to fire. Rice goes through fire. Beans goes through fire. Plantain goes through fire and frying. And then grilling goes through some heat. But you can never compare the market value to that of oatmeal. Are you with me this morning? So when certain things are happening in your life, don't look at yourself like you're abnormal. No. It's because of the destiny. A great storm arose because they were going to do the work of God. They were going to the other side. They had a great number of harvest, a great number of souls to harvest. So a great storm arose. Do you think this storm was from God? Come on, talk to me, church. Do you think this storm was from God? Jesus was going to the other side and a storm attempted to stop him. Was it his father who was trying to stop him? Didn't Jesus know the will of the father? If he knew that it wasn't the will of the father to go there, would he have gone there in the first place? Would he have attempted to even go there? No. So let us understand the works of God and the works of the devil. They are two different things. God is not an assassin. The devil is. God doesn't put sickness and disease on his children. The devil does. The only time God will resist you if, if you are walking in opposite direction of his will for your life. And if you are proud, God resists the proud. Pride is opposite direction of God's will for your life. It is his will that you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and let him elevate you in due time. You don't promote yourself. You allow God to promote you. Don't become prideful. God resists the proud. Look, as believers, we already have a resistor. We have somebody resisting us 24-7. His name is Satan. Satan means the resistor. That's the meaning of the name, the resistor. Now, imagine <laughs> we, if Satan resists you, but God is on your side. The God of Jacob is with us. The, the, uh, the, the, the Lord of us is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. With God, you can overcome the resistor. Can I have an amen to that? The Bible says when you submit yourself to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. But now imagine Satan is resisting you and then God is resisting you. Who will help you? The Bible says God resists the proud. He does. He does. Pride can be in your looks. Look down on others like God didn't make them. You don't measure up. You can't be my friend. Why are you walking up to me because we're in the same church? I'm not your mate. All those kind of nonsensical. A great storm arose. The Bible says, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. The ship was now full. <laughs> Listen. The ship was full. Full of what? Water now. And he was in the hinder part at the back, the back part of the ship, asleep on the pillow. The master was sleeping. Like a child. He was enjoying his sleep. The wind was blowing. The storm was blowing. Water was
was entering the ship. The master was sleeping. Was he aware of what was going on? Yes, he was. What was he saying? Use your faith. Oh, Lord. Now, see what they did. And they are waking. They woke him up. Okay, wake up. Wake up. Oh. And they said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Who told them that they were going to perish? Don't you care? Can you give me that verse in uh, the message translation if you have it? That probably will speak some more to us very directly. And Jesus was in the, the stern, head on the pillow, sleeping. Glory to God. He wasn't ruffled, he was sleeping. They roused him singing, teacher, is it nothing to you that we are going down? Who ministered those words to them that they were going down? Come on. Was that the Holy Spirit? They said, hey guys, you're going down. <laughs> you're going down, you're going down, you're going down, you're going down. The devil caused the storm. The devil went to them and said, hey, this is how you're going to die. This is it. You're going down. And they believed the devil. Fear is faith in the power of the devil. Fear is faith in the ability of the devil. Fear is faith flipped over. I say that again. Fear is faith in the power of the devil. Fear is faith in the ability of the devil. Fear is faith flipped over. When you flip faith to the other side, what you have is fear. It's the same force. When you see a dog and fear wells up in your heart. Why? Because you believe in the ability of that thing to injure you. Isn't that right? Then you scream, ah! Why? You don't want to be injured. You believe that that guy, if let loose, can injure you. That's how much people believe in the power of the devil. And how less we believe in the power of God to heal, to deliver, to save, to rescue, to lift. Jesus was in the boat. And somebody whispered, an imp whispered to them, you're going down. You are really going down. And they went to rehearse the words of the devil to Jesus. The devil told them, then they went to Jesus to rehearse those words. Don't you care? Is it nothing to you that we go down? We are really going down. They were convinced they were going down. They were more than convinced in their heart that they were going to perish. If not, they would have done something about the storm. Don't you care that we perish? Next verse. And he arose when he saw that these guys, nothing to them. And rebuked the wind and said to the sea, the wind and the sea, peace, be still. He rebuked the wind, then he spoke to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased because it was rebuked. 
and there was great calm. The sea calmed down. Tell your neighbor, calm down. Now, come on, come on. Tell your neighbor, calm down. And he said unto them, look at what he said to them. Why are you so fearful? What does it mean to be fearful? Full of fear. Why are you so full of fear? Huh? How is it that you have no faith? I'm surprised. You guys have been with me for a while. We're just coming from a faith meeting where I had taught faith, I had preached faith, I had done miracles, you all saw it, and now came time for your testing, and you have no faith. And after he spoke, they still feared. This time they feared exceedingly, and said one to another, what manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? I find no better word to describe the times in which we live, a time when darkness seems to be gaining ground, when the faith of some looks to have been overtaken and seems weak and victory seems lost. In 1 John 5, 4, the Bible says that this is the victory. Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. What do you do, therefore, when faith seems weak? What do you do when servants are riding on horses, whereas princes are walking barefooted? Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse 7. What do you do when it seems you are losing the battle that is raging against your health? Your health. Health is a major issue globally right now. If you don't have good health, you don't have anything. That's, 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 how, that's the premium placed on health. One sickness can make a multi-billionaire go broke because it pumps money into it, pumps money, all the anti-whatever, anti, uh, anti whatever, I don't know what you guys call it. <laughs> all the drugs, they keep pumping and pumping and pumping and they're in and out of hospital. One sickness, just one. And it's been so sad in some cases, after spending all the money, they still die. Now, so the family is broke because they sold their property. There's nothing a man won't give for his health when health is failing. So young people, please listen. I know some of you don't have health issues, you don't have any health challenges because you're still young and you don't care when you hear, you know. But hey, you better learn this before the day of testing comes. The day of testing comes to every man. The day when you are going to have to now use your faith. You might even be a teacher of faith, but the day you are going to have to deploy your own faith. Habakkuk 2 4 says, The just shall live by his faith. The day comes when you can't live by your parents' faith, you can't live by your friends' faith, you can't live by your pastor's faith, no matter how much your friends love you. There are conditions that, if left to persist, will even isolate you from your friends. Those friends who tell you, I'm your bestie of life. I'm your, ah, I will never leave you. Ah, me, of all people. Ah. The man by the pool of Bethesda was there for 38 years. You want to tell me he never had any friend in his life? Were there not people that they were born in the same house? Didn't he have family members? Didn't he have relatives? Why? How come? The day Jesus came, Jesus said, will you be made Oh, He said, I have no man. Is there anybody that is isolated in this world? 
even if they troubled it, you are from a family. Somebody met with somebody and then they get back to you. And you probably have siblings, neighbors, schoolmates, old school sets, alumni. Where are they? For 38 years. Because nobody will stay with you for 38 years. What do you do at such times in your life? When certain conditions persist. Sis, we are praying for you. Oh, we are with you. We are, we are with, oh, we got your back. <laughs> mm. You better learn to hold on to Jesus. Or that be Jesus, Elijah, you. I've never been to an angel. And me, I've left the stage of deceiving myself. I've, I left that stage many, many years ago. God helped me to find purpose and to pursue it. To find purpose. There are many acquaintances, but how many are real friends? There's no friend like Jesus. None. So I won't allow anybody to mislead me and put me in trouble. Because when you put me in trouble, you are the one to first of all run away. And even talk about me. Don't be unwise. When your home comes under the cruel attack of the enemy, or when your finances come under the cruel attack of the enemy, and your finances are in shambles with no hope in sight, what do you do? When, like the servant of Elisha, you wake up in the morning and find that you have been surrounded by terrorists. Second Kings 6.15. What do you do? What do you do when the challenges of life have isolated you from your loved ones and from your friends and from family? And you have now become lonely and alone. Like the man by the pool of Bethesda in John chapter 5 verse 7. What do you do? Listen church, trouble is a common factor in life. No matter who you are, no matter how gifted you are, no matter how talented you are, no matter how spiritual you are, no matter how connected you are, trouble is a common factor. In life. We did mathematics in primary school. There was something called HCF. Highest common factor. Trouble is a common factor. What you do in the time of trouble. Reveals the state of your heart. And where you put your trust. The title of this message for all of you latecomers. Criminally latecomers. Is trusting God in uncertain times. Trusting God in uncertain times. What you do in, time, in the time of trouble. Reveals where your trust is. I love that song that says, I put my faith in Jesus. My, 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 my anchor to the ground. What you do in time of trouble. We all go through trouble. Believers and unbelievers alike. Spiritual and carnal, we all go through trouble. What you do in the time of trouble. I say again, reveals the content of your heart, the state of your heart, and where you put your trust. King Jesus made a statement in John chapter 14 verse 1. Media please, I have very few minutes to go. John 14 verse 1. He says, let not your heart be troubled. <laughs> Jesus, this is, this is a tall order. But is it possible for me to be in trouble, but my heart does not get in trouble. Is it possible for me to be in trouble? But trouble does not get into me. Yes, it is. We can be surrounded by trouble all around. Like Paul the Apostle said in 2 Corinthians 4. From verse 7, 8, 9 down. He said we are troubled on every side. Every side. 
yet not distressed. I can tell you I've been there a number of times in my life. Let's, let's look at that before we come to John 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. What I'm doing by the, by the help of the Holy Spirit is to prepare you guys for life. To prepare you for life. Some of you, even though you are, you, are, you are maybe mature in age, but in the things of life, you have still not grabbed the realities. You think life is just a yo-yo. Everything's just going to be yo-yo like it is right now. You're bubbling. You're having, you're having, like some say, I'm having the time of my life. Life is not a playground. Life is not, at least I'm older than you, most of you in this church, if not all of you. And I also deal with people that are older than me. I pastor some of them. I can tell you that life is not a playground. The earlier you start your preparation, the better it is for you. So when the days of evil come, you know where to put the storm. You know where to put the devil. You put him where he belongs. Because you have been prepared. There is something called the law of process. You don't jump the process. If you do now, you will pay later. David didn't just stand up one day to say, who is that idiot called Goliath? That uncircumcised Philistine. Give it. Give him to me. I'm going to kill him. Hey, no. He would have been killed. David was tested with the beer. Woo! And he was faithful. He conquered. Then the hiatus came. The lion. He followed that through. It was a process. He conquered. God said, this guy, this guy, I'm, I'm, I'm checking him out. I'm looking at this guy. He's a very young boy. But this one is even more experienced than many, many adults. Then the time for Goliath came. Many want to bring down the Goliath. Have you killed the bear before? Have you killed the lion? You want to start with Goliath? Goliath is not supposed to be a starting point. It's supposed to be a crowning glory. Are you with me this morning? You don't jump process. You don't jump process. It's a law. The law of process. God himself is the God of process. Why would God allow a baby not to be born until nine months? Can't God do it in one day? Baby, be. A baby comes. Oh yeah, man, mate with your wife. Wife, be pregnant today and give back. God can do it. He has the power. But he said, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to teach you the law of process. God is a God of process. Why did he create everything in six days? Why not in one millisecond? Life, be. Family, be. Ground, be. Fish, oh yeah, see, give up the fish. Now, ground, give up the sheep behind in half. Now, man, be. <laughs> he could have done it microwave. Micro. In fact, with one statement, it would just say everything be. But you know what this generation wants? Everything be. I tell some people, you are not ripe enough to go to adult church. You are not. I know you are not. I'm your pastor. Some people have not seen them in one year. I saw their name on the list. In one year, I've not seen them in church like this. They are not serving any ministry. Yet, you want to go. It's not my business. You are not doing me any, any harm. You are not even doing me any service. So, for me, it is hallelujah. Glory be to God. The Lord bless you and be with you. But for those who would listen, there's a lady who was supposed to go last year. She came to see me and said, Pastor, I want to go. I said, why do you want to go? She gave me the point. I said, sit down. You are staying with me for one year. With me. And we'll start a process. This morning, I'm glad to let her go. Because I told her one year. There was a lady who left the church. 
who was going to win us chapel uh, because of one, one, one. And then I had, I said, I've not been seeing this girl in uh, Bible study. The mom said, ah, she's your daughter. Talk to her. I said, okay, tell her to come and see me. And she came. I said, ah, what's wrong with you now? What's strong, strong? What's strong with you? Not wrong, strong with you. And she said, eh, what's strong with you? She said, eh, pastor, eh, so, so, and so, eh, my age now, you know. I said, okay, I understand. But you come back. Go through the process. Join the ministry, serve in the ministry. So when I stand there, I will not be lying. Let's welcome sister so, so, and so from Kinikon Ministry. And the, on the register of that ministry, you have not been there for one year. Are you responsible? Have you gone on youth service? No. You are just away without leave. A wall. And the lady listened to me when joined the ministry, began to serve every service. You see her there, Bible study, Sunday service. During the fast, she was fast. Every day I was seeing her. Unless the day she was at work. Such a person I'm glad to let go this morning. So, ah, you listened. You don't jump the process. It is not a fruit that tells the tree it is time for me to go. It is the tree that tells the fruit you are ripe. I release you. But some people are too big. I can't talk to them. Even me, I know I can't talk to them. So, what do you do? Lord, what do I do? He said, let them go. Let them go. Don't keep them back. David didn't jump process. Jesus didn't jump process. Was Jesus the son of God when he came to the earth? Why didn't he jump from heaven as the Messiah? Do you know till today that's why some Jews don't believe in Jesus? They don't believe him as the Messiah. Because they assume that the Messiah will come riding on horses. And there will be an army following him from heaven. Galloping. Chuka, 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 chuka. Then he will land in Israel. Bah! Ah, Messiah, oh, Hamashiach. He came. God, God, God came as a little baby. God, God. I can imagine Mary on the streets of Mokola, Virgin Mary, now pregnant Mary. And she was going to Mokola market. She was buying rodo, tatashe, bawa, tomato. And she moved on to the woman selling vegetables. And she bought vegetables and she moved on to the woman selling fish. And she was carrying God in her womb. She looked like every other lady. There was nothing special about her. We didn't see the angels guarding her physically. Yeah, there were angels, but we didn't see them. So she was as normal as any other person. But yeah, who could discern that this lady, there must be something special about her? When she came to the house of Elizabeth, Elizabeth said, when I had your salutation, the baby in me leaped for joy. Process. Process. A processed life is always a productive life. A processed life. A processed life. If wine is not processed, it will be useless in the market. Process. That was why it beat the imagination of that man. The governor at the wedding, John chapter 2, when he was given the wine at the tail end of the wedding, he said every man sets forth the good wine at the beginning. And when men have drunk themselves to stupor, it brings out the inferior. But no, you brought out the inferior first, you reserve the best for the last. He didn't know where it came from. He didn't know. That was processed by the power of God. 
what God processes is different from what man processes. Are you with me this morning? Are you, are you listening to me? Jesus became a, man, became a child, grew up year one, birthday, year two, year three, year four, year five. He didn't jump. When he became 12, he began to reason the scriptures with the doctors of the law. He didn't start his ministry until the age of 30. Come on. If he were not humble, he would have said, Father, you know I came from you. I could have started this ministry from year one. Year one, from my baby bed, I'll be commanding miracles and casting out demons. And I'll be speaking with the voice of God. Yeah? It was as much the son of God when he was age one as when he was age 30. Are, are, are you with me? But God looked at him grow. God watched him being humble until the day he was baptized. And the Holy Ghost came upon him and the voice came from glory and said, This is my beloved son. In whom I'm well pleased, hear ye him. He had been approved by heaven. I'm not saying this so that some of you think eh, he's talking to us now. He's talking about us. You're not special. So please, I'm talking Jesus. I'm talking Jesus. And you better swallow. The, the, the truth is, is, they call it bitter pills. You swallow it with the tall glass of realism for your good. For your good. These are things we need to know. And if we are behaving like we don't know them, then we need to be reminded. If you are supposed to be in 400 level in the university and you are still behaving like a kindergarten person, we will remind you of ABCD. Process. Why didn't he jump the cross and say, Lord, Father, take this cross. Why this humiliation? At the moment, they jacked his beard off and blood gushed. If I were Jesus, no thank God for Jesus. When he was on the cross, the devil came back to tempt him. You remember Matthew chapter four, Luke chapter four. After the temptation, the Bible said the devil left him for a season. When did he come back on the cross? Through one of the thieves, he said to him, "Can we call the Son of God? <laughs> we we know we are thieves. They crucified us." Savior of the world, Savior, you can move the mountain. Where I jump down? Jump down, save yourself, save yourself, save yourself, and save us all. He was mocking him. Jesus was in pain. He didn't look like a man anymore, but he followed through the process. He sank down to hell and tasted death for every man, so that through his death we might be reconciled back to God. And he raised many sons unto glory. Process. Process. May God give you understanding. This same Jesus told us in John 14, 1. Okay, I was showing you 2 Corinthians 4. Go to verse 6. No, verse 7. Quickly, the apostles surrounded, they were surrounded by all manner of trouble. He said, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God. Corinthians, please, not Chronicles. Corinthians. Corinthians. Second Corinthians 4, 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels 
that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. He said, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. This is part of the Christian life. Troubled on every side. Troubled at home, troubled in school, troubled in finances, troubled in health, troubled everywhere, on every side. He said, but look at something. He said, but we are not distressed. Distress is of the heart. The moment trouble enters your heart, you become distressed. And when people are distressed, they are going down. The apostles were distressed. That was why they were going down. The trouble entered their heart. Jesus said in John 14:1, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Believe. Now, what should we do? As I begin to close, you believe in God. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Jump that and go to verse 10. Verse 10. We're going to read verses 10 to 14. Believest thou, he kept re-emphasizing the word believe, believest, believe, believest, trust. Believest thou not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The word that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself. But the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me. He kept saying believe, believe, believe. Let me tell you about this one, he said believe. He said believe me that I am in the Father. And the Father in me, or else, believe for the very work's sake. He said, believe, believe, believe. <laughs> in one verse, did you see that? Look at that verse, uh, verse 11 again. See how many believe you have there. Believe me that I'm in the Father, and the Father in me. Or else, believe me for the very work's sake. You don't have a choice as a Christian but to believe. That's how we are configured to live. We are supposed to live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Habakkuk 2.4. Romans 1.17. The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. How shall the just die? The just shall die by fear. If he does not live by faith. If you choose to walk in fear, you're going to die. It's not a prophecy. It's an instruction from the word of God. Look at verse, th verse 12. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth, see the word believe again, in me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than this shall he do, because I go to my father. Verse 13. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, in my name, whatsoever you shall ask, that I will do, that will I do, that the father may be glorified in the son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you shall ask anything, I will do it. Verse 18. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. If you're in trouble this morning, if you call on Jesus, Jesus will come to you. Can I have an amen to that? He will come to you. Praise God. Okay. I'm trying to run in agreement with the program at the ICC. So, well, I figure I'm going to have to round this off and then continue from there next week. Amen?
Now go to verse 23 to 27. We're going to read verses 23 to 27. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man loves me, he will keep my words, and my father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. How many things? And bring all things to your remembrance. How many things to your remembrance? Whatsoever I have said unto you. Verse 27. Peace I live with you. That's the word shalom. My peace I give unto you. Not as the word giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now, King Jesus said, trust me, I won't mismanage your life. Trust me, I will not mismanage your life. Our text in Psalm 46 was written by a man who had experienced the help of God in the time of trouble. In the final analysis, he told us God can be trusted. I'm going to continue this next week by the grace of God. I'm going to take you through the journey of the disciples and the apostles. And I'm going to give you two instructions that the Holy Spirit gave me, which I won't be able to give you this time because of time. All right? Uh, I believe that you have been blessed this morning. Have you been blessed? Let's get on our feet this morning. Glory.